The last time Colin Kaepernick sold out, he was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. It was the 2013 NFC Championship game, and Kaepernick made a throw to try to get his team back to the Super Bowl. You may remember it very well. It wasn't the first time that Colin Kaepernick trusted Michael Crabtree in a big game. The year before in the Super Bowl, on fourth down with the game on the line, Kaepernick also trusted Crabtree in that situation. Both times, Kaepernick got burned. It's like the old saying goes, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Looks like Richard Sherman was right about Michael Crabtree in hindsight. Let's send you down to the field and Aaron Andrews. about you. Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Oh, yeah, I'm going to shut it for you real quick. L-O-B. All right, before, and Joe, back over to you. All right, well, we saw. You're probably wondering why I'm even talking about Michael Crabtree in the first place. Here's the deal. It's clear that by virtue of the arguably the two most important throws of Colin Kaepernick's career, he had at least a professional trust in Michael Crabtree. And this is important in retrospect because Michael Crabtree was one of the first players to betray Colin Kaepernick, both professionally and in protest. During the 2016 season, when Crabtree was asked about Kaepernick's protest, Crabtree said, and I quote, I ain't no Martin Luther King. Kaepernick took a stand against police brutality and for black people and people of color that eventually made him bigger than the NFL. The players, to include Michael Crabtree, had the option of supporting Kaepernick professionally and in protest. A significant number of players refused to do so. Kaepernick was isolated and thus eliminated. And this is where nuance comes in, because now the protest becomes personal. And this is where you get the collusion argument. Kaepernick was right to file suit. And Cap is well within his rights to be paid damages for lost time and lost wages. On this episode of Making a Difference, I'm going to challenge the notion of what it means to sell out. From the perspective of celebrities to the perspective of laymen. And I'm going to do so in a way that doesn't penalize the activists for making money within the struggle. Not profiting off of the struggle, but profiting in triumph. Cap really reminds me of Jake Cole. Because he made the entertainment world in so many ways conform to his standard and his beliefs. And here's something I can tell you personally. The road of an activist is challenging and treacherous. And at times you have to face opposition alone with no features. Um, to, be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage. Almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. To make a difference. (laughs) 
Making a Difference, a show where we got to give the people what they want and we got to give the people what they need. You know who it is. It's Ken making the host of Making a Difference. So glad you guys are checking in with me. Got to get the prize out of the way, man. Just two great sponsors and supporters of the Making a Difference movement. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the Grill Rain, home of the best burgers in town. They're at 2376 Augusta Road in Gloverville, South Carolina. They got extra large hamburgers for only five bucks. Weekly specials are $10.99. You can call them today at 803-341-0158. 803-341-0158. You can also follow them on Facebook at The Grill Rain. Burger Royalty, The Grill Rain. Love them, man. Look, had a grilled shrimp. Po' boy over there this past weekend. Ah, magnifique. Also got a shout out my brother, Jay Harvey. Your Allstate Insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened a... In 2017, he loves helping and working with people. He's a husband. He's a dad. Tell you, he's a look, great father, great husband. Uh, and he really just understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can call him today and get a quick personalized insurance quote. Uh, give him a ring at 706-434-8106. His office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans. If you need insurance for your car, home, or business, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. As y'all can see, I'm wasting very little time today on this podcast, man. Got to shout out a few folks, man. Jamel Powell, Smart Dumb Podcast. If you haven't followed that, uh, you can follow it now. Go to it's, uh, Anchor is uh, the site that he hosted on. Smart Dumb Podcast. Uh, you can follow that on Facebook as well. Make that a part of your life. Uh, he's the one that said, hey, man, you got to do a cat podcast. Hey, consider it done. Here it is. Donald Doe, man, you don't know me, bro. Donald Doe uh, saw the name of the podcast on uh, on Facebook when I teased it. And he was like, uh, man, knowing you, this is a play on words. Man, you know good and well it's a play on words, man. Cap did um, not only what he had to do, but what he needed to do, man, to secure life for himself and provided an opportunity uh, to not provide an opportunity, but really just created a, a, na- a nationwide discussion. And really, in a lot of ways, was um <clears throat> was really a litmus test, I think, for the entire country, man, when you just look at, you know, different uh, situations and, and reactions to to what Cap did. And I mean, it, I think it's just been very telling, you know, over, you know, these last two to three years, man. And, and Kaepernick should be commended for that. Cap is not a sellout. I would challenge everybody who's listening to this podcast to go to knowyourrightscamp.com. That's knowyourrightscamp.com. You can look and see a lot of what Kaepernick's been doing, you know, uh, to really just uh, enrich the future and encourage, you know, the future. Talking about, you know, kids and folks like that and just you know teaching them about what rights they have as just as human beings and and civil rights and different things like that it's very commendable it's something that players just even beyond uh Kaepernick and Eric Reed uh, have really taken this on I know Kenny Stills in Miami is a part of you know the know your rights uh camp movement and you know just because it's not on BSPN I say ESPN but I call it BSPN just because it's not on BSPN you know doesn't mean that these things aren't happening you can't always count on mass media and knowing you know what your majority media the the topics they like to cover and how they like to cover them you can't always count on mass media to give you the truth uh, of these narratives and I, i would even say that should continue you know to this day as it relates to some of the stories and the discussions that you hear about colin kaepernick but i do want to go back to this general idea of cap really being a litmus test for the country because you have stories such as the one out of colorado where you have this gentleman who boycotted Nike products because uh, Nike, you know, had the partnership with Kaepernick. And as a result of that boycott, that gentleman recently had to close up his store. I'm laughing because, you know, people again, and we're going to talk about this during the course of this episode, people throw around, 
throw around words, you know, such as boycott. And what I want people to understand is this, is that whether you do a boycott or whether you take a political stand, it's one thing to stand on your principles. And that's something that's vitally important. It's obviously something that's relevant to this discussion. But I think that or I don't think I know people aren't always ready to deal with the backlash of boycotting, of taking a political stance. And here's a gentleman who, you know, thought the boycott would maybe galvanize his consumer base. And he was grossly and hopelessly inaccurate. But what you have is is really just a an an exposed political and and social hypocrisy. And I think about, you know, uh, the Wisconsin uh, GOP, uh, Wisconsin legislators who said Kaepernick was too controversial uh, for to be a, a figure of Black History Month. You had the Wisconsin Black Caucus who, you know, came out with this Black History list. And of course, Kaepernick was on the list. And then the GOP came back and said, well, he's, he's too controversial for our Black History list. And it's gestures such as these that really are a reflection of just some of the hyperpartisanism uh, that goes on in this country. And then for me, and you guys know how, how I conduct business on this podcast and just in general, you know, we can kind of get into these this back and forth deal, you know, between Democrats and Republicans. But the thing for me is I'm, I'm always going to look at your policies. And so I look at Wisconsin and there's this culture of pettiness right now, particularly with Republicans, because, hey, uh, folks came out and they voted, you know, for Democrats and they, you know, got rid of a number of, you know, Republican lawmakers. And so you got these lame duck. Well, you had, you know, lame duck lawmakers who, you know, put in a, a bunch of these. Uh, not so much protections, but really just tr- try to put in laws to inhibit some of the political influence and power of, you know, some of the new uh, Democrats that will be coming into office. Just really disgusting stuff. Back to Kaepernick, folks, a lot of folks said during, you know, uh, when he was taken either he was disrespecting the vets. And the thing I always, you know, said, you know, some of the biggest disrespecters um, or some of the biggest violators of uh, this country's veterans are the folks who are over the VA hospitals. And so if you're a person like myself who pays attention to things like, you know, like Veterans Affairs and, you know, how they did an entire overhaul of that department. You know, they fired directors, different things like that, you know, between the Obama administration and now, you know, going to the Trump administration. You still have a culture uh, of, of 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 where, you know, our, our this country's veterans are not being taken care of. And the same folks who, you know, have or had a problem with Colin Kaepernick are not speaking up against these issues. But I will say this about Kaepernick, man. Kaepernick, he's a, a cat that really stayed on people's minds over this two to three year period without a single major media platform who spoke on his behalf, who came out and just definitively said, you know what, uh, Kaepernick, we believe in you. And when I say a, a major a major media platform, I'm talking about networks because you have individuals on networks, you know, shout out Shannon Sharp, um, shout out Max Kellerman. These folks always spoke on Ka- on Kaepernick's behalf. Uh, in favor of Colin Kaepernick and but they you know are representatives of a, of a network but they are not obviously they're not owners of a network or do not represent the entirety of a network and again you know Cap did this and he was you know doing all of these things while losing out on playing football which is obviously a game that he loved and lost out on millions of dollars so you know he goes and he settles this collusion suit and people are mad about the non-disclosure agreement and the crazy thing about it to me is is that I really think some people are mad because they're just being nosy or they feel like they're entitled to this information. And by the letter of the law or just by the standard of not being able to talk about 
the collusion suit, yes, this is hush money. But this is not hush money in terms of Kaepernick being quiet about the quiet about the protest. And here's the the way I feel about it. If you need an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement to know that the NFL is trash, you're a hypocrite. Like, (laughs) I mean, there's there's no, you know, cute way to say it. Like the NFL has, I mean, in the last, we'll just say two, because we're pretty much doing this from the time frame of the last two and three seasons. Do you understand? Like the NFL had a kid who just last season, there was a tape that came out where he literally kicked a woman and not six months later, this guy is back in the league with a team. And there are at least two or three situations like that, where you have had guys who have committed domestic violence or domestic abuse and those guys have gotten a second chance in the league. And in that same time, Kaepernick has not gotten a chance. I shared with you guys on the last episode why I'm done with the NFL. I'm done with the NFL. And I mean, there are a lot of different things that have gone on within the league and a, and a lot of different just uh, practices and just a lot of disrespect. But the thing that just really took me over the edge was the virtual demotion of coaches and what happened with Steve Wilkes in Arizona, a guy who you know, had the opportunity to be a head coach for 16 games before he was fired, got a, got a year and was dismissed um, and had to take a job as a defensive coordinator. I mean, it's, it's, it's a virtual demotion and was demoted for one of these, you know, hot shot Sean McVay type guys, Cliff Kingsbury. And it's disrespectful. Wilkes didn't get a fair shot. And the same thing, uh, a similar thing happened in Denver with Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph got two seasons and, you know, virtual demotion. He's a defensive coordinator somewhere else. I'm tired of this in the NFL because at every turn, the NFL is showing you where the black labor force and black issues are relegated to second class citizenship or a second class standard. And I'm done with it. But for the sake of this podcast and for the sake of clarity, I want to talk about this idea of selling out because I do think that. You know, there's a definition, there's a standard of selling out. And uh, I'm going to let the greatest talk about the idea of selling out and, and what it, what I what I believe it really does mean to most people. Money means nothing to me, nor boxing, when it comes to the freedom of your people. So everything I'm doing, if it means hitchhike tomorrow, if it means be raggedy, if it means look for a job, I'll be happy because I can go to bed, my conscience is clear, and I didn't sell out or trade my people just because I could be rich in Hollywood with a yacht out here on my, that could be my yacht right there. Imagine it's valued at 200000 but I wouldn't want that damn yacht if I couldn't go back over in the black neighborhood and protest a black woman being raped. The hell with the lot. The hell with the championship. So I want the people to know this, you understand? In that clip, Muhammad Ali is presenting us with a standard, and it's a standard wherein you can make money because Muhammad Ali, I believe his net worth around 2012, it's being reported between 50 million and 80 million. So we have a gentleman who was able to make money during his career, but there was also an element of integrity, which was explained in that clip. So I'll say this again and again and again, just because you're an activist doesn't mean you have to be broke. And I think that, you know, people, uh, un, well, I would just say inaccurately correlate the two. Because I've talked about it on Making a Difference and I've talked about it in the past where, you know, Dr. King and Malcolm X, you know, essentially died broke. It's an unfortunate chapter of both Dr. King and uh, Malcolm X's career and not only their career, but just their lives because they deserve so much better. But it's more of a reflection of, you know, the system of oppression that was around them and just the time that they invested in fighting that oppression. But just to bring this back to Kaepernick, because I heard so many excuses for 
how and why he sold out and just just a lot of very silly things. I, you know, heard an individual who, you know, correlated uh, the Kaepernick situation to the situation with Malcolm Jenkins, which is, I mean, factually inaccurate and irresponsible. You know, and that's where you got the angst from Eric Reed. And that's why Eric Reed went at Malcolm Jenkins, you know, so hard because Eric Jenkins said and, I, and essentially said that Malcolm X sold them out, them being, you know, Kaepernick and Reed. Basically, what Malcolm Jenkins did was at, at some point there was a basically there was a, a meeting of the minds between the players and some of the NFL owners uh, and just NFL brass. And basically, the idea was at some. Well, I'll put it this way. At no point did Kaepernick and Reed say that they were going to stop protesting and stop taking a knee. Malcolm Jenkins and making a deal with the NFL basically said he was going to stop taking a knee. And that's where that conflict came about. So to compare Malcolm Jenkins, you know, uh, coercing and basically conceding to NFL ownership and NFL brass versus Colin Kaepernick getting paid off of a collusion suit is I mean, that's (laughs) that's truly night and day. Heard another uh, had another dialogue with an individual who said, well, I'm pretty sure if Colin Kaepernick could go back, he um, and, and if and if he realized that the decision that he made will cost him his his career, he may have done something different. And it's almost like this individual basically tried to discredit the movement or Kaepernick's movement because Kaepernick didn't mean to lose his job, which, again, is comparably silly to the first argument. It's like this. If I'm, I mean, at my job. If I stand up for someone or stand up for something and I choose to stand up for that to the point of and not even so much the point of termination, but if termination is something that may happen as a result of me taking a stand, does it discredit my movement because I didn't go into this thing thinking I was going to get fired again? It's a risk. Uh, Some of what Kaepernick did, some of it, I'm, I'm fairly sure was a calculated risk. Simply because we know how the NFL works. We know how ownership works. We know how, you know, petty these individuals can be. And that's one of my concerns even now. And I'll get to that much further in the podcast because we we do have to talk about the legacy of Colin Kaepernick because so much of his legacy is going to be tied into how is he going to, you know, invest his uh, invest this money? Is he going to reinvest it into the community? You know, are we still going to see Colin Kaepernick stand up for these issues? But in terms of do we discredit him or do we say his movement doesn't mean, doesn't mean as much because this mayor may not have been a calculated risk is utter foolishness. I heard a lot of other, you know, arguments and dialogue. I think there's some people just had a general skepticism. You know, some people said, well, this is anticlimactic because they really wanted those details to come out about the NFL. And the truth of the matter was this. It was speculated and it was I won't say it was practically determined, but there was going to be some difficulty if this thing had gone to trial that Kaepernick was going to be able to win that suit. And I'm pretty sure that he, the lawyers, I'm pretty sure there was a dialogue about this. And at the same time, the NFL saw that there was enough with this case wherein, hey, they took a knee, (laughs) they settled. And the issue of the NDA, in all honesty, again, we know the NFL is trash. The NDA gave Colin Kaepernick an opportunity to make significantly more money to recoup and recover what he had lost putting his career and putting his livelihood on the line and again we have to look at how we brand sellouts or how we brand this idea of selling out because again making money isn't the problem it's in some cases as we saw uh, on a talk show here very recently uh, it's not the it's not making money that's the problem it's the 
integrity involved that's the problem. We, I've done nothing wrong. When you tell the truth, you have to deal with the repercussions of the truth. We black out here. We can't come out here and do it any kind of way we want to. Let me, Listen oh, to me. Your husband yes. can't be the Sydney that he really is out here. Let me tell you not something. Fit, that flexing, Let me we got to flex something. a different way. We Let out me. here in a game. This the money game. This ain't the black man's game. This ain't the white man's game. It's this is the money, the money game. game. But I, we in the money something. game. And We're you cannot sacrifice game. yourself. The we best are. thing you can do for this poor people is not be brother. one of them. You cannot We're help them. We're in the money them, game. Mom. But let me tell you what the game you is before the money game. Like before the money game, it's called the integrity game. And we've lost the integrity worrying about the money. But Mo, and wait a minute. If wait I minute. crumble, if you my crumble. children crumble, my grandchildren crumble. I cannot, for the sake of my integrity, stand up here and let everybody that's counting on me crumble so I can make a statement. I had an opportunity to really break this thing down on the Making a Difference Facebook page. I'm encouraging you to follow that now. It's facebook.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a different show. Definitely follow that. And if you're not following us on SoundCloud, even though you're listening on SoundCloud, man, download the SoundCloud app and follow Making, M-A-K-I-N, a difference. At any rate, the primary issue I have with Steve Harvey's commentary, and I understand that, you know, Steve was wrong in a lot of ways. There were some things that Monique did that, that, I mean, she was right in principle, but not in practice. But this is the issue I have with Steve Harvey's commentary. Steve Harvey's commentary and the spirit of that commentary, when you prioritize money and making money over integrity, that ideology will not do, do the legwork for civil rights. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. The black struggle is a struggle for policy as much as it's a struggle for principles. The financial logistics of the civil rights movement have, and I mean, civil rights, just not, you know, talking about the 60s, but just through the course of American history, the financial logistics of civil rights have rarely ever made sense. The Those on the side of right have always been the financial underdog. If you make it about money, if you make it about if you if you look at, you know, when you have to go up against the government, when you have to go up against legislation and laws and lawmakers, even today, when you look at, you know, let's say you feel you're compelled to run for public office and you're running against, you know, maybe a, a lawmaker who's been in office for 20 years. You're running against individuals with war chest of, I mean, ten, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. And if you're a political newcomer. You're having to raise all of this money. The logistics of it are such a challenge. You can't always look at these things in terms of money. And even as I look at, at Steve and Monique, because Steve and Monique are having a conversation really on a celebrity class level that is so far beyond what you and I uh, is will, will be something that we experience. Steve has a net worth of one hundred and forty million dollars, which is why the commentary about if he crumbles and blah, 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 really doesn't hold water because, I mean, Steve is comfortable and his children. And I would like to think his grandchildren with any type of financial solvency or financial literacy, literacy and, you know, security of wealth will be fine. And even Monique uh, has a net worth, I believe, of somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 million dollars. These folks are not missing any meals, but we have folks out here, folks who are dealing with poverty, who need not only legislation, who not only need good policy, but this is why I always push so passionately for push so passionately for reparations, because I understand wealth disparities. And when you talk about the average um, or the median wealth of a white family in this country, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of by average is one hundred and ten thousand dollars versus African-Americans is far below that. It's somewhere around three, four thousand dollars. 
and you think about those disparities and that's why there has to be an element of integrity when we're having these conversations. And moreover, when we have these conversations, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. We can have these conversations from the perspective of a celebrity. We need to have these uh, these conversations from the perspective of everyday people. And that's some of what I'm going to get into on the B side of this, because and I teased this again on Facebook. I said this podcast is going to make you feel like there's a price on your head and there is a price on your head. Colin Kaepernick had a number and we won't know that number because of a non-disclosure agreement. But what's your number? If you're going to hold Colin Kaepernick to an almost impossible standard, even after he has raised his social awareness and has fought for social justice, you know, if you're not, are you going to hold yourself to that same standard? If so, what's your number? Is your number $12 an hour? Is your number $15 an hour? Is your number $20 an hour? $40 an hour? What's your number? Some of you guys won't even share this podcast because you're scared. You're scared of what your friends may think. You're scared of what your coworkers may think. You're scared of what your employer may think. So, I mean, we're going to really dig deep. Uh, into this whole idea of what it means to sell out and, and boycott and different things like that. And I'm not, look, I'm not going to beat you up, man, because making a difference isn't about beating people up. It's about uplift. It's about social uplift. It's about spiritual uplift for the betterment of everybody. Because I'm here for one simple reason. <laughs> I'm here making a difference. I'm going to flip it to the B side with an incredible social commentary from Royster59 entitled Field Negro. I know uh, some of you guys will listen to the podcast with your children. And so we always are mindful uh, in terms of parental advisory. And so I would encourage you guys, if you got kids listening, and you don't want to hear uh, profanity to fast forward to about, let's see, 31, 30, 31 minutes and 30 seconds. Appreciate you guys and love you listening and making a difference. You ain't been getting this money all your life. Oh, you forgot about the roaches and all the mice out here living an alcoholic rapper artist life. What happened to artist's life? All of your kids is in charter school and you starting to do everything in private. Maybe that's from all of the chartered flights. Make sure whatever you're doing is not in the dark. You know the shit is bound to come out eventually underneath all the lights. Rob a man, kidnap him, take him for all his rights. Degrade him all his life, rape his daughter, his wife. Nine months later, use the baby as piranha bait. We wasn't even allowed to pray, let alone read or write. People like Cube open them doors and politically correct Negroes like you close them to keep your ice. Platform, they make you feel like they love you there. Your whole platform can swim with the fishes like Huggy Bear. Your Maybach in your house is like that important that you won't move at all. Distractions that you won't say anything at all in risk of losing something. Right. You won't say anything on anyone's behalf at this point. You ain't been getting riches your whole life. Oh, you done forgot. The oven don't open on the stove in the kitchen to heat up the house because they didn't cut the heat off in your home, right? Okay. Now you thinking you living so far away just because you neighbors with Britney and K-Fit. Every artist in the game a phony. Fucking all the same thotties in the game since way back. And all the same thoughts in the game been giving the same top to the same guys in the game like one of Sway hats. The plight of the miserable wasted talent. Only guys with the hits are the Tigers, Drakes, and Callets. Shit, this is what happens when your favorite artists never get challenged. Your favorite fella from the NFL has been silenced. My dad said under no circumstance should a man consider the legend have nothing left on his deathbed. And any black man not willing to stand up for his own rights should lose the use of his right and left leg. They say I couldn't do it, so I went out and did it. They said they gave it to me, so I ain't asked for more. I stayed active every time a door slammed in my face, stayed at the door. 
I stay knocking, I stay rocking. I did it my way, without all the complaining and all the whining all day, like Kanye or Wale, for the validation of all the bloggers and all the same gay ass awards. Fuck y'all and all them gay ass awards. We all living inside the same hell and we all willing to die to go to the same heaven. But we are lyrically not on the same level. I'm scribbling my killings down and sending them out like chain letters. I'm not here for the crown of Tory Lane's cheddar. I'm here for respect or else. I'm willing to take off the belt and whoop a young nigga's ass with it like James Evans. What house Negro would look at you and say, Man, you crazy. What you mean separate? Where is there a better house than this? Where can I wear better clothes than this? So is that house Negro? In those days he was called a house nigga. And that's what we call him today because we still got some house niggas running around here. You only been living a small part of your life all the way up. Oh, you forgot about the home that you grew up in. Where you were starving with nothing. When it was stripes on all the canned goods in your closets and cupboards. You grew stripes and you developed the heart of a hustler. My grind shot card as fuck. I go back in time, so George Washington carved for a nut. Plus, none of these artists can beat me. I'm Truman in Christ on the Noah's Ark on the waters of Fiji. I'm truly the type that'll push your wig farther than BC. Leave your brains all over the street. My heart's on my sleeve. Put my seat in the garden of Eden and start a new species, please. You know my steez. How you got a team and you ain't got loyalty? How is y'all the kings and you ain't got royalties? I've been around homicides since Marky D, Kurok, Ski, you disorderlies. You know my steez. Children is dying, women is crying. We under attack, fool. What a better time to be famous, black, and impactful. Name something better to come together as one to react to. Shit, we still coming back from a checkered pass like lumberjack suits. You play for the NFL, I just wanna ask you. If you don't kneel with cap, it's simple math, or can I run it past you? Niggas innovate, people penetrate, exclamate off our inner hate. We oblige, so they make the riches, we don't rise, they just keep us high. Product of slave privilege, cop Ferraris to race a nigga. I'll do any job you can pay if I can make a living. Vodka straight, a whole lot of pacing, just so I can make a decision. Keep an honorable spirit, with not a whole lot of faith to distribute. They took the scriptures away and replaced it after making their own racist revisions. They're crazy, basically, they create shit just to play shit, to take away shit, to rig it. I'm pretty sure they make her, it's livid. They racist, they bigots. What's Christian about that? The fakeness is vivid, the paper is printed. They should wake up every day and pray to the nature of business. Fuck a Laker, I can never play for the Pistons at the expense of creating division. The wraith of exquisite, I'm about that paper, but it's gonna probably take me a minute. I'd much rather be an atheist chasing my faith through a prism, assuming the information is real, than play for a racist with a racist agenda. I hate you niggas. About figures. The misappropriation of wisdom got you slaves to your own alienism to pay a few bills. House nigga, I'd rather get hit with a Patriot missile than to be out here with you exhibiting patriotism. They say a broke clock is right two times, but it's never accurate. Truth time. Okay, if some of us don't have time, some of us have time, some of us performing at halftime, some of us boycotting halftime, some of us standing up, some of us sitting down. Reparations will never get back to us, they'll forever just laugh at us. I think I found a way for you niggas to face your truth. Go ahead and try to trace your roots. And that shit is rather miraculous. Them niggas took away the messaging, mess with the message in it, embellish it just to spin it, just to sell a shit back to us. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. We do you know what beef is? Do you know what beef is? Uh-uh. Ask yourself. Uh-uh. Do you 
What's beef? The grill rain. That's beef. And so much more. Home of the best burgers in town, located at 2376 Augusta Road in Gloverville, South Carolina. You can try the extra large hamburgers for only $5. Weekly specials are $10.99, Monday through Saturday. Comes with an entree and an extra side. The Grill Rain, where they make your stomach smile. Call 803-341-0158, 803-341-0158. And follow The Grill Rain on Facebook at The Grill Rain. What's beef? The Grill Rain, Gloverville, South Carolina. Yeah. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8. William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. We're talking about the last time Colin Kaepernick sold out. I really hope you guys enjoyed that first uh, portion of the commentary. Uh, We talked a lot about Kaepernick, and so we're going to make this thing a little more personal and a little bit more uh, relevant to, uh, to laymen. And to, you know, just people in an everyday struggle. And we are going to talk some more about, you know, celebrity uh, boycotts and different things like that. Just want to encourage you guys very quickly. Uh, again, uh, Facebook.com backslash making a difference show is where you can follow us on Facebook. Of course, SoundCloud.com backslash making a difference. I also want to encourage you guys to support black media. I cannot emphasize this enough. Uh, the first way you can support black media, the first way is absolutely free. And that is to share the podcast that is to share the social commentary that you see on Facebook and that you see on SoundCloud. Don't be afraid to do that. Okay. I know, you know, I, I hear a lot of things from you guys. I know some of you guys will, you know, listen to the podcast and take in the information and will, you know, cheer me on privately. And I just, you know, my response to that is, is, you know, thank you for that support as always, man. But I want to encourage you guys to share this information with your friends quite simply because we are in a time where if you engage in respectability politics or if you're a person who says, well, I don't really want to, you know, shake the table or shake things up, you are not getting um, that reciprocated to you. You know, when you look at, you know, this current presidency, when you look at, you know, Donald Trump and just some of the things that are happening through his administration, if you look at some of the things that are trickling down just in terms of um, I know there was in a, a newspaper very, very recently, uh, there was a um, a man in uh, I want to say a newspaper editor in Alabama who said they you know, should bring back the KKK to clean up, you know, D.C. You know, you have commentaries like these and people are just really letting it hang out. So, you know, the things I talk about on, you know, on this podcast, uh, they may be radical in terms of policy, in terms of ideology, but they are not radical. Um, I do not, you know, encourage violence or different things like that. You know, things that are I would say that are just adverse, you know, to a sensible dialogue. So, you know, share the podcast, man. Don't, don't be scared, man. And, and that's like I said, that's the way you can support it for free. Uh, you can definitely uh, offer your financial support as well. Uh, the cash app is dollar sign making M-A-K-I-N a difference show. Again, that's making a difference show. You can also uh, sponsor us through Patreon. Um, that's patreon.com backslash making a difference show. 
I want to continue on, you know, like I said, on the B side of this podcast. And what I realized is, is that when I have conversations with folks in terms of boycott, in terms of their ideas of selling out, in terms of, you know, just labor, working class struggles, people really don't know what they're talking about. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. I mean that in terms of people just haven't done their research. And I think that's what happens in a lot of, you know, social dialogues nowadays is that people just, you know, go off of their opinion. They go off of what they hear in majority media and, you know, when we go off of just when we I'll say it like this, when we do and say things and we don't do it with, you know, relevant modern day research. And, you know, we haven't, you know, brushed up and studied up on these topics that we're talking about. A lot of times people end up, you know, in the outset, really sounding silly. And there are times when, you, you know, and some people even don't have the shame to go back and correct themselves. But, you know, oftentimes you find yourself having to go back and say, you know what, on second thought, man, now that I think about it you know, you're right. Or man, I should have, you know, done my homework on that. Again, had a conversation about Colin Kaepernick and, you know, had a brother, man, he's really just a great friend of the podcast. And he was saying how he was, you know, going to boycott the NFL this year. And, you know, even, and he said, well, you know, I'm going to boycott the NFL, but, you know, I don't think it's going to work. And I had to stop him. And, you know, I had a similar conversation actually with a family member, a very close family member who said, asked him, I said, well, do you believe in reparations? I said, well, yeah, but do I think it's ever going to happen? No. And I had to stop him. Here's what you got to understand about the evolution of any social movement or any, you know, idea of social justice. It always, always starts with the individual. It starts with your own personal standard and that standard that you're willing to uphold. And when I think about this country and I think about, you know, the things that people acquiesce to it's because they have a standard that doesn't jive with civil rights, that doesn't jive with labor rights. And it's unfortunate because these are the individuals who suffer most from that lack of representation. Let me tell you something about myself as an individual saying I'm going to boycott the NFL. That boycott is transcendent of Colin Kaepernick because there are reports and I'm, I take Colin Kaepernick reports nowadays with a grain of salt. There are reports that Colin Kaepernick may end up signing with the Carolina Panthers, with, my, with the team that, you know, I have a rooting interest in. Still not enough to make me come back to the league this year because for for reasons previously mentioned. But if you're, you know, jumping into the middle of the podcast for whatever reason, you've missed, you know, 38 minutes of awesome social commentary. But just in case you're just new to the podcast, um, I don't like how they're doing the coaches. I don't like, you know, when you look at just the labor conditions of the NFL, I'm, I'm not a fan of any of it. And I said, well, look, I'm going to take a step away from this game. Just for me, as a person who does a, regularly does a podcast and talks about working class struggles, who talks about civil rights, who talks about, you know, advocating and supporting black people. And what happens is, man, is that when you take on these issues and I know some of you guys who are activists or who just really deeply care about these issues, what happens is, is that the that concern and that passion takes on a life of its own, man. It really does. And so you start, you're not just looking at sports or you're not just looking at your job. You're looking at other stuff and you're like, man, this stuff, this stuff is really, you know, taking uh, this stuff is really relevant everywhere. And that's why I always, you know, when people say things like, you know, I don't see color or, you know, why is race so relevant? Race is relevant because it's, it's something that if you really get down to the bare bones of it, and if you look at socioeconomics and you look at uh, legislation and policy, you start to realize, man, race is a huge deal. And I understand that, you know, you, you have conversations where you say, well, you know, class is, is similarly important. And I would agree with you wholeheartedly. But again, when you even when you get down into class distinctions, working class distinctions, 
This has been, you know, kind of the blueprint of American government for years. If you have a working class struggle, you can divide working class interests by race. And what will end up happening is, is that and this has happened before in American history, is that white working class folks, when faced with a decision to, you know, um, to revolt or to reject their corporate oppressors, mostly white versus their black working class colleagues, they sold out. <laughs> they sold out to the establishment. And sure enough, there are elements of racism there and there are elements of classism there. But when we talk about, you know, selling out and, and boycotting and different things like that, there has to be a certain level of sensibility with it. And I think that level of sensibility comes when an individual looks at, you know, when you look at your own life and you say, well, how much of this can I really deal with? And let's just let's just look at this from the in terms of your job. And how do you feel about your job? How do you feel about the working conditions on your job? Without saying my job or and necessarily what I do, I can say that I don't like my job. I can say that there are, you know, labor conditions at my job that I don't particularly like. What's my response to that? My response to that is, is that whenever I have an opportunity to speak up against those things, I say those things. I share those uh, concerns with teammates. I share those concerns with, you know, management because I, those concerns are absolutely relevant. It's really a part of, you know, American history. You know, when I think about, you know, and, and then when I look at the fact that, you know, I'm in a state and I'm really in a region of the country wherein, you know, uh, when we talk about, you know, right to work and different things like that. And people think, well, right to work. Oh, man, that's that's great. That means I have a right to have a job. No. What happens with right to work is and like, like I say, man, y'all, when you listen to making a difference, bro, you getting real. Look, this is real talk, man, because I'm because I'm I'm in the struggle with y'all. Um, Right to work is really something that at one point was to say, you know what? Well, we're doing this. So you don't have to pay union dues or you, you don't have to, you know, just because you're in this facility, you know, you don't have to necessarily be married to a union. And, you know, for whatever reason, people thought that was a good idea. But what's end up happening now was is that labor conditions are so poor across the board and particularly in the South that you need unions and you need strong unions to be a third party representation or representer between your labor force and between you know, uh, corporate and corporations. And you don't have that. And because you don't have that corporate runs over the labor force. We see it all the time. And so people have a decision to make. And it's an issue of, you know, are we going to say that somebody is a sellout because, you know, they go on this job that they know the conditions are bad. But, hey, this is a place where compared to a lot of other places in town, you know, I, I make a lot more money. I can make twenty dollars an hour. I can make thirty dollars an hour. So is that your number? You understand what I'm saying? And like this, this is where this thing really gets deep, man, because here's the thing about and I'll just even say this about the black experience. So much of what we talk about in terms of black, you know, entrepreneurship and black business, we say, well, everybody should be an entrepreneur. That's not necessarily viable. That's not necessarily everybody's interest. Some people say, hey, I just want to go on a job, work 40, 50 hours, and I just want to make a livable wage. I don't think it's too much to ask for us to stand up behind those folks. I don't think it's too much to ask for us to go to city council meetings, for us to challenge legislators, for us to. And I'm talking about not just local, but state and, you know, federal legislators and Congress to say, look, people deserve a livable wage. And what I realize is that when we talk about boycotts, when we talk about, you know, selling out, we have these conversations from such an unwarranted position of moral superiority. It's disgusting. 
And what ends up happening is, is that we don't protect our neighbors. We don't protect our brothers and sisters from corporate interest. And now, as a result, corporations control virtually every part of your life. The team that you root for, the job that you work at, um, the your I mean, your your locals or their state, you know, they, they control so many different elements of government. I think about Amazon. I'm gonna call Amazon by name because Amazon, uh, they were working on a deal in New York City, a three billion dollar proposal. And because there was some kickback and there was, you know, some legislators who said, you know, there are some working conditions that, you know, we don't like for Amazon. Amazon said, Amazon said, you know what? We don't need this three billion dollar deal. Imagine how much money you got to have. To say, you know what, I don't even keep your three billion dollars. Are you kidding me? But then again, Amazon's one of these companies wherein they don't pay uh, federal taxes, haven't paid federal taxes, I believe, for the last two years. And you're talking about an 11. I forget if it's billion or trillion dollars that Amazon made last year an obscene amount of money that went on. That was untaxed. But we would sit up here and we would. And I mean, let's say, you know, somebody who works at Amazon. Are they selling out because, you know, they know about these labor conditions, but yet they continue to work within the parameters of those conditions? Are they sellouts? Are you a sellout because you're working at a job? And is it right to make that assessment of somebody? And that's the whole irony of Steve Harvey's commentary, because Steve Harvey's commentary probably touched a nerve or was relatable to someone who was listening to that in the audience who said, you know what, if I crumble, then my my family, my children crumble or my my significant other crumbles. That's applicable to somebody who's living paycheck to paycheck. And so you have to make tough decisions in terms of employment, because, hey, if I don't you know, if I don't find somewhere to, to work here in the next week or the next month. You know, some lights are getting cut off or we're getting kicked out of this house or we're getting kicked out of this car. That's a very real concern for a lot of people. I'm going to provide a a definitive idea of what it means to sell out, what it means to boycott all of these different things, because I, I, I do think there are ways to clearly define what that looks like, because if you're on a job and I believe the way that ideally things should work on a job is a job should be a meritocracy. You should promote an individual by virtue of their skill level, their work ethic, their talent, their attendance. You don't promote somebody because, you know, uh, you went to high school with them or your buddy, buddy, and you have a you know buddy, buddy relationship. Because what happens when you promote people according to how much butt they can kiss instead of their skill, you create a culture where people will sell out. You create a culture wherein people will, you know, trade will forfeit integrity for money. Money to me, money without integrity is the very definition of selling out. I think that's a great way to define it. If you look at Colin Kaepernick in that struggle, ask yourself, was this a man who chased money at the expense of his integrity or did he uphold integrity even during a process where he was being blackballed? And I don't think Colin Kaepernick's journey was perfect in any way, shape or form. He def- there were definite missteps. There were definite things that, you know, that could have been scrutinized. I think I've said this before on this podcast and I would encourage you to go to go back and listen to because uh, this will actually make a I guess you can call it a Kaepernick trilogy. This is the third podcast I've done on Kaepernick. And I said I've said times before, I said, I don't think they should have taken a knee in a collision sport in a sport where taking a knee means, hey, don't hit me, don't hurt me. I think the black power fist or the power fist is more of a buck back against the establishment. 
And I understood in principle why they took the knee and I understood the relevance to that to Dr. King and the civil rights movement. But in football, it just it just to me, it wasn't applicable. But it worked for Colin Kaepernick to a point because eventually the knee was co-opted. And, you know, you had, you know, this clown owner, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Jerry Jones. He was taking the knee and it was the knee was definitely co-opted. There were some parts of when you look at Colin Kaepernick's relationship with Nike that I've scrutinized. I've scrutinized the idea that Colin Kaepernick, the pricing point of his T-shirts, you know, he was selling some of his T-shirts uh, for fifty dollars. And to me, I felt like it. It uh, isolated or not so much isolated, but it kept out, you know, certain people who identify with that struggle. You know, if this is a struggle about police brutality and you understand that police brutality, you know, is something that affects, you know, low income communities more than it affects, you know, uh, just those range of society as a whole. But you price something that, you know, is going to create a strain on low income community. You know, I, I think there's there's some serious concerns with that, not to mention some of Nike's, you know, hiring practices and business practices, you know, within um, just, you know, just within the parameters of Nike. But despite those missteps, when I look at the entirety of Kaepernick's protest and just all the things that were accomplished and just, you know, really, like I said, just it being a litmus test for this entire country. I mean, it's it's an incredible standard. It, it holds up well. And it's something that will be remembered among the great social justice stances in sports history, if not American history. The question now for Colin Kaepernick is, and like I said, this is where the, you know, this is where the, the legacy, you know, still is yet to be written is what will Colin Kaepernick do with his resources now, with his added resources? You know, will he return to the league? Will he not? You know, will he continue to, um, you know, pro, uh, protest these issues? Will he continue to do, you know, I, the uh, I know, my, uh, know your rights camp? You know, we'll see what happens with those things. But in the meantime, you know, we got to like and this is what I always try to do with making a difference, man. I always try to say, hey, because I think so much of and I understand the vindictiveness that comes with social justice, because, you know, there is an element of, you know, people who have been hurt or people being oppressed, lashing, you know, lashing back at the establishment. But I think what happens a lot of times is, is that there ends up being a lot of friendly fire, you know, because people don't, you know, really step back and look at, you know, when you say these things like. Well, like, what are you trying to accomplish when you call somebody a sellout? And and there are times when, you know, we throw these terms and we hurt people who are really trying to help the struggle, man. And you got and you, again, you just you have to be mindful of these things. Now, I do reserve judgment for, you know, certain situations. I'm actually going to close out the podcast talking about this because, you know, I'm looking at this record that uh, Clifford Harris, that T.I. did, you know, kind of a diss record to uh, Floyd Mayweather. You guys may have heard about it. It's a. Uh, you guys will have to fill in the blank here. It's called FN. I'm going to go ahead and play about 30 seconds of it here. Just want to, you know, I want you guys to be mindful. Again, parental advisory, about 30 seconds of this. So come back uh, about 51 minutes if you got kids listening. About, about 51, 20. All the fuck niggas of the world. Fuck niggas. All the niggas get up say fuck everybody else. Talk to you. Damn, it must suck to be a fart, nigga. Oh, greedy nigga, only thinking about itself. Hey, get the fame, they get the wealth, but people are struggling. Who did you help? People are struggling. Who did you help? Who did you help? Fart, nigga. Damn, it must suck to be a fart, nigga. Oh, greedy nigga, only thinking about itself. Hey, get the fame, they get the wealth, but people are struggling. Who did you help? People are struggling. Who did you help? Who did you help? So T.I. made this diss record about Floyd Mayweather, you know, in face of the 
Uh, Floyd Mayweather said he wasn't going to boycott Gucci and T.I., you know, was somebody who said, you know, we need to boycott Gucci after the, you know, blackface incident and the blackface scandal, which, by the way, I did a uh, did a video about blackface on uh, the Making a Difference Facebook page. would encourage you guys to check that out, man. Six, seven minutes of your time. And I think it's just really insightful. And it, you know, is really decisive, um, decisive, not divisive, decisive in terms of just, you know, talking about the history of blackface and also just outright rebuking. I have a few issues with the way that T.I chose to approach this uh approach his beef with floyd and it's it's obviously important i think it's just it's vitally important to for people to know that ti and floyd have history and that history actually involves ti's wife tiny apparently you know uh, floyd and i think tiny were at some point romantically evolved or something to that effect and you know ti you know has never been happy about that so ti you know took all that angst you know maybe uh you know the whole jealous lover you know, deal. And, you know, he's hiding behind, you know, Floyd's lack of social awareness. And he's saying, well, you know, you should be more socially aware. So he's uh, attacking this from a moral superiority point that, you know, when you know, if you know their history, it really doesn't hold up. But then there's this like, again, there's this name calling, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's provocative, you know, I'm sure it's good for clicks and different things like that. But, you know, T.I.'s question, I got to raise that same question to T.I. It's like, you know, you calling this brother this name, like, like, who, like, who, like, who do you help? Who you, like, who are you helping by calling somebody that name? And I think at the end of the day, you got to look at the length of this boycott. My understanding is that, you know, T.I. did want to, you know, have this boycott of Gucci, but the boycott was only for three months. Three months, bro. Bro, you going to sit up here and you going to do a whole diss record. Man, the diss record, look, the diss record is almost as long as the boycott. <laughs> Come on, three months, man. But again, and, and as I always say, and this is why, again, there has to be a certain level of conscientiousness that we have, um, you know, when, when we talk about these social issues. And I, and one of the issues that I know for certain that we have among black people is that we allow celebrities to you know, dictate and control these narratives. And, you know, we allow celebrities to tell us when these issues are important. And I'm here to tell you, man, that these issues are perpetually important because we live in a country where, you know, African-Americans were black descendants of slaves. And, and you know, folks like you and I listening to, you know, listening and, and speaking on and talking about these issues, man, our rights are continually being chipped away, even as we are, you know, fighting for humanity, where we're fighting for dignity, these issues are being continually attacked. And it's sad to say, man, there are very, very few celebrities who have the range and the depth and the awareness to really speak to these issues. And this is why folks such as Colin Kaepernick and Muhammad Ali and folks like the like these are so commendable because despite their wealth, despite their influence, despite, you know, all the things that they have to lose, they chose to put those things on the line for the betterment of their communities and for the betterment of black people. And for that, they should be called anything but a sellout, man. Like I told you, man, last time Colin Kaepernick sold out, you know, he sold out in the 2013 um, NFC championship. But during the entirety of this of this uh, boycott, during the entirety of, you know, taking a knee and standing up, there is nothing to me that would even warrant. Uh, this man being called a sellout. And this is what I'm going to close out with. You know, be very careful, you know, uh, and, and I'll just say for me, man, I'm not trying to hear any commentary, 
you know, from individuals such as Jason Whitlock, such as Stephen A. Smith, you know, individuals who literally make their living at the expense of talking down and talking about black men who are standing up for something and black men who are trying to make a difference in their communities while they, you know, do a, the soft showing and the tap dancing, you know, for oppressive networks, particularly Jason Whitlock. I mean, he's reprehensible. Reprehensible is a good word for Jason Whitlock. And with that, I want to close out this episode, Making a Difference, man. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Again, Facebook.com backslash Making a Difference show. SoundCloud.com backslash Making a Difference. Download that app. Not now, but right now. Share this podcast with your friends. Share this commentary with your friends, man. Look, if you're scared, say you're scared. But if you ain't scared, man, share this with your people, man. Uh, shout out my sponsors. They not scared. They look putting their name in, in their face and their business on this uh, commentary, man. I'm you know, forever grateful for them for that. I also want to encourage you guys much like, you know, uh, I want you to definitely support the sponsors of this show. If you can support Jay Harvey, the Allstate agent, definitely do that. Grill Reigns got the best burgers. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you right now, um, if you're in a in Aiken, Augusta, if you definitely if you're in Gloverville or Graniteville, like you need to go down there right now, man. Just uh, these burgers it don't make sense how good these burgers are, man. If you're in the area, I mean, if you got to make that 30 minute drive to Gloverville, it's worth it, man. I mean, just just really, really good food. Uh, Miss Pam, great person, man. Great personality. You know, we're going to keep moving on, making a difference, man. Um, you can also, like I said, support black media, not only sharing the podcast, but donating to making a difference. Um, you can donate uh, through Cash App. Uh, that is uh, dollar sign making M-A-K-I-N a difference show. Definitely encourage you to, uh, to do that. If you got any ideas, suggestions you want to send, um, we may still. Shout out my man, man. I always shout out Maine. I can't say enough good things about Maine. Maine's got like this thing where he does like basically like fan mail and comments and different things like that. We have the option on making a difference as well. You can shoot me an email at making a difference show at gmail.com. Again, that's making a difference show at gmail.com. And with that, I'm Ken Macon. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. The revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.